We're going to jump in this morning. We have always been a church that lives from the inside out, meaning we are very passionate about connecting with the issues of our hearts. How do you know that God is a passionate God, okay? And his heart, I believe God has a heart, his heart is fully engaged with what is happening on the earth and in our lives, and he is living from the heart as it relates to his stewardship over all of creation. How many of you know that we are created in his image and in his likeness, so as God goes, as he models, as we saw in the life of Jesus, so should we live out likewise. There's nothing less appealing to a world, to people out there, than a passionless, passionless people as it relates to spirituality, to eternal things, right? And so we're connected on a heart level with our feelings, our intellect, our emotions, all of the stuff as it relates to the things of God, the things that, are, that, that he's up to on the earth, the things of life, right? And so we're going to take a look at that this morning, what I'm titling the desires of the heart, because it's good to be us. And I, when, I, when we say it's good to be us, we're not just talking about the harbor. It's good to be us as believers today in the earth where there is more passion flowing across the nations as it relates to the kingdom of God than any other time in human history. That's the truth. There is no greater time, I believe, to be alive than it is to be alive right now. And so we are going to live from the desires of our heart. And so I want to just breathe some revelation on that this morning. And if you would, if you have your Bibles, if not, we're going to put this up on the screen or if you have them on your app or on your iPhone uh, our mobile device, look with me at Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It's, it's very similar to many other translations. Um, but I like some of the robust nature of, of, of the language. And I really liked it in this, in this verse in particular. Look what it says. Make God the utmost desire and delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. I just want to read that again. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. Let me just pray. Father, would you open up our understanding to the reality of our hearts that have been made by you. God, you know our heart. You say to guard our hearts, for they are the wellspring of life. You say to trust you with our heart, Lord. Would you come today and just give us understanding about the, the desires of a heart. Come and breathe on this time today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just got back uh, late Saturday night from... Flew out of Washington, D.C. I was in Pennsylvania with my son, Luke, who's an upcoming senior. And he got selected to be on a national travel lacrosse team that went to lacrosse mecca, which is basically in the Maryland, Pennsylvania, Delaware area, and play in these showcase tournaments. And it's, 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 an, it's an amazing experience, a very big honor for him to be invited into that space because it's some of the best players in the country. And Florida is really an upcoming state as it relates to the, to the sport of lacrosse, which I was never familiar with growing up. Um, 
in Montana, my, you know, back in the day. But it's a fun sport to watch, and he got picked to be on this program. So it was awesome. So in the first tournament, we went to Downington, Pennsylvania, which is more on the northwest outskirts of, of Philadelphia. And it was very hard to find uh, places to stay because the, all the hotels were sold out from the tournament. Hundreds and hundreds of teams, um, thousands of players coming in to play in this event. But I found an Airbnb out in the Amish countryside, I didn't even know where I was going, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Now, here's the weird thing, man. Country people are afraid of cities at night, and city people are afraid of the countryside at night. Now, you would have think, Darren, you're from Montana. No, listen, I have lost all courage as it relates to driving through the countryside where there's no light. There's just, you know, creeping things that are going on in the, in the wilderness around me. And so we pull up to our Airbnb at like 11 p.m. at night, right? And it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's on three acres, and, and I'm like, man, is this the place? And, yeah, so I got the, was able to get the key. We made our way inside. And when we walked into the bathroom, this is what really freaked us out. It was like someone had just taken a shower in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like humid in the, in the shower, towels laying on the floor. And I'm like, my wife has been watching all these Datelight episodes. And I'm like, man, we are, this is it. This is, it's over here. I mean, they're hiding and they had, you know what's really creepy too, man? Is the basement. Basements should be outlawed by the Lord. I'm like, Luke, go down the basement. He's like, Dad, I ain't going down the basement. I'm like, come on, Luke. You're a tough lacrosse player. Go down the basement. See if the doors are all locked up, you know. (laughs) So anyhow, what had happened is the one cleaning person thought the other cleaning person was supposed to clean up the place, and they got their their wires crossed, and so we just kind of muscled through it. I was just thanking God. I'm like, Lord, thank you that Wendy is not on this trip right now. Not that she's weak or anything, but, you know, I just try to put her in nice places, you know, with, with, with things that are clean. Can I get an amen, ladies? And it would have been just... So we wake up the next day, and I just kind of wrote the lady. I said, I think, you know, I, I took, attached some pictures. I, I don't think the house was cleaned, which was obvious. All the trash cans are full, the, you know, towels. It was, it was, I had to change my sheets at 1.30 in the morning. Can I get an amen? It was, it was one of those kind of days. But anyhow, the lady was mortified that this had happened. And so she said in all her years of hosting on Airbnb, nothing like that had ever happened. So she was very kind. She gave us a discounted rate. And, and then she, um, she said later, I ended up getting a message from her that one of the cleaners who I didn't know was Amish felt so devastated that they wanted to give us, me and the boys, that night a free buggy ride through the countryside to make up for this mistake. So these buggy rides were like 150 bucks. <laughs> the Amish are banking. The Amish are banking. That's all I can say. They're banking. They're banking on their food, their goods that they make. They're banking on the buggy rides, all right? So we go over to this house. It's kind of weird, you know, like I'm, I'm just going to show up at this Amish person's house, and I show up. And there's this guy dressed in his full garb, you know what I mean? Like the whole outfit, the whole thing. I mean, there's no cars, there's no, you know, electricity, nothing. So we show up, and, and Jesse's there, so we get, that's the guy's name. We get on the buggy with Jesse, and he's like, you can ask me any question you want to. 
And so I'm just asking, asking, asking away as we're driving. And it was so amazing because you know how God, Jehovah Sneaky, we say that term a lot, but he kind of sets you up for cool things to, to kind of happen. And that's exactly how this was. So I started finding out from Jesse that he, two years ago, had just had this profound encounter with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And you know what he tells me? He said, and I'm looking at this guy that's like this holy, you know, you think they're like a holy guy because they dress in these, in these outfits and stuff like that. He said, I just got born again. I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, talk to me, man. And he goes, he goes listen, he goes, you got to understand, like, in this area, Lancaster County especially, this stuff, that, you know, who these people are goes back to the 1700s. If, you know, the earliest part of our, the establishment of our nation. And he said, over time, the, the, the religious um, regulations just became so dogmatic, he said, that they got their eyes off of Jesus and onto all the rules and the regulations, and he was not throwing stones at his own people. He had a love for them. He said, the good majority of the people that I know in this area don't even know Jesus. In fact, he said, which is intriguing to me, he said that if you say that you have assurance of your salvation, meaning, hey, I know the Lord. He's personally involved in my life. I know that one day I'm going to be with him forever, that I'm able to walk with him right now. They, in that tradition right now, at least in that area, as this guy was explained to me, would say that that is complete and total heresy, that you cannot know Jesus personally. Can you believe that? So we have this long talk and, and I'm saying, well, man, okay, so you got born again. What else happened? Then he was a little kind of scared to tell me because, you know, he's just meeting me for the But he's like, yeah, and then I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what? Talk to me. He's like, yeah, man, I started, you know, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit started opening up in my life, man. I said, come on, tell me some more. Tell me some more. What else has been going? I, he said, man, we've been praying for sick people. He talked about this guy that had this issue in one of his teeth. He, he didn't have a, a lot of money to go to the dentist. And he said, I believe that there's faith in this room at one of their gatherings. And he asked some of the guys to come and pray for him, of which one was Jesse. Jesse prayed for this guy, and he gets instantaneously healed And I'm like, bro, what do you think is going on right now? He said, we are right now within the Amish community. They call it the old order that he came out of, that he got the left foot of fellowship. He said they shunned him. They wouldn't talk to him. All of his business dealings got cut off. He said, but more and more people are coming into this experience with Jesus. And I said, what is it? What's going on? Revival? And he said, oh, man, revival times 10. It's like full-blown move of God. And I could just see the, the desires of his heart coming out as he was talking about his connection with God. It was awesome. It was awesome. So I just thought about that. Isn't that amazing that right now God's not only moving in China, he's not only moving in the, in the un, among the unreached people groups across Euro-Asia, he's, he's not only moving in the American church, but he's moving everywhere. Something's going on, something that we cannot deny. The last thing I, I thought that I was going to experience was to go into Lancaster County in the midst of Amish country and talk to a guy named Jesse who would tell me of a revival that is breaking out there among those people. 
It's incredible. Come on. This is awesome. He said, Darren, we got to be so careful. This is what he told me, that we don't be so, become so rigid in our convictions that we lose the essence of what this, all, this whole thing is about. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to go back to this verse that I read to you at the beginning. I want to just read it again. Because there's treasure in this if we could see it. He says, from his heart to our hearts, he says, Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. Listen, this whole thing called Christianity is super simple. It's that right there. Let's go to lunch. We're doing chicken wings after. We're on keto. I'm going. We're going to pound some chicken wings. (laughs) Dean loves chicken wings. But if we just dial in on that, make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, everything else will fall into alignment. But the question is, do we believe that? Do we really believe that if we give God everything, that he's going to take care of everything. So this word delight, it is a literal, uh, the meaning here is, is to request from the heart. So when it's talking about delight, it's, it's actually more than just, oh, I delight myself in the Lord. No, there's a request on the inside. You see, inside of every single human being, there's a longing for significance. Did you know that? There's a longing to live a life with purpose. And so when it comes to loving God and then delighting ourselves in Him, actually requests start coming to the surface. Longings start coming to the surface. In fact, one of the things that Jesse said that was so interesting is I said, how did this whole thing start? He said, well, I began to ask some questions. You know, the church has always been so nervous about people asking questions. We should be nervous when people aren't asking questions. Because at least when you're asking questions, you're trying to discover something for yourself. One of the problems with especially young people being raised up in church is they're, you know, the, 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 the parents shame them or fear them from asking, just do what I say, don't ask any questions. I'm actually the opposite with our kids. I'm like, listen, you better find this thing for yourself. You better start asking some questions. Is God real or is he not real? I sat with the guy the other day that's, that's a roommate of one of our members, and, and I started telling him, like, some of my journey that related to his journey. And man, he started getting, I could see like some light coming into his spirit. And I said, bro, you better search this out for real because you're saying you don't know if God is, is, is true or if he really exists. You better really know. You know, at the because that's a massive thing that we all need to determine in our lives. Is God real? Is this, what is this whole thing called spirituality? So there's this desire. There's There's desire that should be birthed in our hearts when we're going for God. Right? 
We're not just sitting, just going through life, like living life out, just letting it drive us versus us driving a little bit, this thing called life. We should have desire burning on the inside of us, right? It's a request, and it's, it's both and feelings, okay? It's feelings, which are, which are emotional decisions, Right? If you're having requests, if you're feeling some desire, there should be some emotional things stirring, right? And then there also should be intellect, which is you're thinking things through. How many of you know it's healthy to do both? Right? Have some emotion, then think it through. <laughs> All right? It's not bad to do that, okay? It's actually healthy. Have some desire, seek the Lord, let him come and move on your heart, and then think things through. Talk to some people that have been where you're going. Ask a lot of questions, right? But either way, when we're living in desire, we're giving our consent. Okay? This is really important because God does not force us to do anything. God doesn't even force us to get on fire for him. When he comes and begins to encounter us, he brings us to the place where we give our consent through emotions and through our intellect. Are you guys tracking with me? But here's what I want to do. I want to go a little deeper here because here's a question I want to answer briefly this morning. This is a question that I believe needs to be answered. It's this. Even if we have given consent to our desires, have we given God consent with those same desires because a lot of times we think oh my gosh well it's about me out of my emotion and my intellect having something awaken and giving my consent to it but as God have we given him consent with those same exact desires as well that's the question so look with me at the next verse because we'll see it right here. This is amazing. Because he's talking in, the, in verse 4 about make God the utmost desire, the light and pleasure of your life, and he'll provide you the desires of your heart. But look at verse 5. He says this, Give God the right to direct your life and trust him along the way, and you'll find out that he pulled everything off perfectly. Hmm. So going back to verse 4, we're to make God our utmost delight. And, and that word there, delight, it means to be soft and pliable. Now engage with me here. This is real important, okay? When you delight yourself in the Lord, which gives birth to desire, right, you need to be soft and pliable in that journey. Because we're talking about making our requests known. It's a request, how many of you prayed for a girlfriend or for a boyfriend that you're thankful that God did not answer the request of your heart? You see, but when you're immature, especially immature in love, it's hard for you to be soft and pliable with your desire. This is, this is massively important. So the language here, when God says, delight yourself in me, He's saying, I'm going to give you something, but you better be soft and pliable with what I'm going to give you, and you're going to have to give it back to me. This is part of our journey. The same is, is true. Like jobs, same. Like you prayed for that job. Thank God you didn't get that job, right? 
You prayed for that boat. Thank God you didn't get that boat, right? Whatever the case may be, all right? Soft and pliable with those desires, even our convictions. Because this kind of delight opens up the door for his provision. Everybody say provision. Okay, because we are people that are living under the provision of God for everything that he has for us in the future. If he's going to work it out all things perfectly, as the psalmist said, how many of you know that he has the provision as well? We've got to be pliable, take these convictions, give them back to him, and follow Follow trusting God, giving him the things that we're feeling in our life, all right? This kind of delight opens up the door for his provision. Provide, think about this. It means to give, to add, to appoint, to bestow. The word bestow, it means to put into a particular or appropriate place. Think about this. What if we all found our place, which can change, it can evolve, but at least we're positioned for the things that God is up to right now in the earth. A lot of times I talk to people and they don't feel like they're in the right position. They don't feel like they're in the right place. They don't feel like they're aligned in the way that they should be. This is something we need to press in for, okay? This is something that God is after. The word provide also means this. It means to avenge. What has been stolen from you? What has been lost? Like sometimes our delight in God needs to enter into a place of like battle with him for the things that we're supposed to be stepping into that have been taken from us or stolen from us and we need to get on board with that kind of spirit as well. It's, it's, it's the definition of the word. Provide not only means to give, like we're just waiting, like, oh, I'm just waiting for God to give me something, waiting for God to appoint something, waiting for God to put me in the right position. But sometimes it's like stuff's been stolen from me, and I'm not just going to sit back anymore. Last thing here, and then we're just going to kind of wrap this up. The provision for our desires... This is super important, massive. If you don't hear anything, please hear this. Comes from God's zeal, not our own. You see, because you know, when you give a message like this, the desires of our heart and delight ourselves in the Lord, and I'm just trying to break all this down for you, we think, oh man, it's all about our zeal. No, it's first about His. You remember, I, I read this the other week about. Jesus in John chapter 2 where his disciples remembered the prophecy about Christ when he was driving everybody out of the temple. Remember that we're filling up the court of the Gentiles because they couldn't come in. And, and, he, and they said this, it's passion, this was about Jesus, passion for God's house would consume him. You see, the house of God that's being built, which is us by the way, it's people, it's not a building, it's not a denomination, it's not some business. It's a bunch of called out ones that have been brought out of the world and, and the system of the world and into an ecclesia, like a family, a community, relationships, right? The passion for that begins with Jesus, not even with us. It begins with him. So last little portion of scripture, because I want you to look at this through a new lens. Remember 
In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus is always trying to teach us about the kingdom, which is basically the king's domain or the rule of the father in the earth. And so he gives this parable. Do you remember this one? And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, where desire was birthed, and requests became known, it says he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now we think that we're that person, and Jesus is that treasure. But could you look at it through a little different lens today? Because it says that there was this man, the God-man, who discovered hidden in the field this treasure. Now, the field is the earth that's been created by God. When we were formed and fashioned in the hands of the Lord, where did he pull us up from and fashion us? From the earth, right? And this one, after the field got stolen or came under an authority of another one that was never intended to have that authority, i.e. Satan who usurped it from man that was given that field, that ownership. The Son of God looked down at the earth and saw that hidden in the dust, because from dust to dust we would return for generations upon generations upon generations until one day Jesus sold everything, his life, his dignity, his reputation, to buy that field. To buy back the earth. When we're reading words in, in the Bible like redeem, you know what redeem means? Redeem means to buy back to God. And the only way that it could be bought back is that he laid down his life as a sacrificial atonement. Price for what had been taken. And in his excitement for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross of Calvary. Another verse, Matthew chapter 6, says, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be. Now, we talk about that here in terms of our time, our talents, and resources, but think about the treasure of Jesus' heart, which was your heart. So if your heart is his treasure, where does Jesus have place to reside? Where will he be found? Come on. Inside of you. You see, the enemy tries to tell people, you're forgotten. There's no place for you. I'm going to shut down your emotions. 
Don't you be making any requests to God. Who are you to ask him anything? Or on the other side, we think we're so zealous, we're the ones that are making this whole thing go. When the excitement for that field came into the heart of one who's lived forever and wants to take residence inside of us. So when we take delight in the Lord and we give him everything, it's opening that gate of our hearts for Jesus to come in and take full possession of the bride of Christ. Come on, what would that look like? What would that be like if that's how church really was? If that's how this thing called Christianity really was? Not going through some just rotes of motion, but all of us saying, God, you are our delight. Come and take resonance on the inside of us because we are your treasure. Oh, man, wow. So as I close, the desire of his heart is found in the soil of our hearts as we do three things. Delight, remain pliable and soft. If we do that, we'll never end up where Jesse was. You see, the rigidity is what we all need to avoid. Listen, everything and anything is coming after the innocence and purity of your heart. Trust me. I was just up when I was dropping Luke off to, to, to play now in Delaware where he's at this morning. Another parent took him and his teammate over and we made the handoff in Annapolis, Maryland. And I went ahead and connected with one of our youth who is now playing there for the, for the Naval Academy. He'll be the starting middle linebacker this year, Diego Fago. It was an incredible connection. But Luke and them were talking about, you know, a little bit how they were burned out on kind of, you know, the, the, the Christian thing, the Christian school thing. And Diego said, I understand. But he said, man, when you get out there in the world, everything's coming at you. And you're going to be thankful for the, 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 the little world that you're in right now that's protecting your heart because you're going to have to learn to steward that thing. And I was like, come on, Diego. Come on, Diego. Come on, Diego. Because if I said that, it'd be, Luke would be like, dad, dad, come on, dad, you know. But Diego could say it. Because Diego's a football star who they looked up to. Who's looking up to you? Whose world are you called to impact with the zeal of Christ that's already in you? Darren, I'm not fired up. You don't have to be fired up. Let the one who's fired up that resides on the inside of you, let him loose a little bit. Come on, quit getting so rigid. Let him loose. Let him loose.